Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Colin Urquhart. This uh, little book is dynamite. Dynamite, when it's ignited, causes an explosion. And what we're anticipating is there will be an explosion of God's life and power in the lives of many other people. God has been speaking to us about multiplication and harvest, but that will never happen if we just sit back and wait for it. We have to become the harvesters. And this is the resource that will help you. I know a lot of people are not perhaps very confident about what needs to be said because, you see, people will only truly be born again through repentance and faith. So this little book actually gives them the substance of the faith that they need before becoming born again. Also, a lot of Christians are not very confident about confronting people with their need to repent and to surrender their lives to Jesus and what that really means in practice. So this little book does that work for you. So it's, it will always be made available free. We have received the gospel freely, so we give the gospel freely. And we believe that the Lord will supply all that is needed to enable that because we're looking for thousands of people to come to the Lord. Uh, uh, it was mentioned in the video, I must have led something over a thousand people to the Lord one-to-one using this kind of teaching and this letter to Jesus. If you don't know what that is, read the book and then you will understand it. I'm not going to explain it now. Uh, and so I prayed when I produced this and said, Lord, um, I'm believing for another thousand. And the Lord said to me, no, not a thousand, thousands. This is, this is the kind of faith I want you to have, that thousands are going to come. I mean, harvest is thousands. It's not, it's not just a drip, drip, drip of a few people. But this is already, I've had, I've done nothing to, to promote this at all, but already people are asking if they can translate it into other languages. There's, it, it, I, I believe it, it um, fills a gap. Tracts are useful to hand out on the street, but this is not a tract. I mean, this is um, a little book of about 60-odd pages. I mean, they're very small pages, obviously, so it won't take a great deal of time to read. But we made them these size, we call this size, we call them Kinder Faith mini-books, so they will fit in your pocket, they will fit in your handbag. You can put, keep one in the glove compartment of your car so you've always got one available for when it's needed. And let me encourage those of you who perhaps have never written a letter to Jesus to do so. The reason is you can hardly hand this out to others and encourage them to use it if you've never done this for yourself. And... Uh, this was the, the way of evangelism that I used in the revival in, in Luton. This is how people were led to the Lord. And I think this is why 
there was such a wonderful move of the Spirit because right from the beginning of their Christian experience, people were living as, as disciples. And if ever a need arose in people's lives in the congregation, they would always come to me and say, I need to make a fresh surrender of my life to the Lord or I need to write a, a fresh letter to Jesus. Just because you've been a Christian for a long time doesn't mean that you wouldn't benefit from doing that. I have done that many times during the course of my ministry. And so people would make a fresh, uh, write a fresh letter to Jesus, make a fresh surrender. Why? Because the measure you give is the measure you get back. And so often we, are, we expect to receive from the Lord without giving first. Uh, so use this book during the course of the week and then next week you can receive more copies uh, to give and to use just because they're free you know don't waste them but use them sensibly and, and uh, we believe and pray pray over it before you give it pray for the one to whom you give it and of course you also will understand that, that uh, within just a small little book like this some people will want to raise questions and you're a witness and a witness is someone who answers questions so you will be able to answer their questions and encourage them to write a letter to Jesus because it's had such a positive effect on your own life amen, amen. okay if you have your Bible turn with me to Revelation chapter 22 When Jesus was talking to the woman at the, the Samaritan woman at the well, he said that what the Father, what God was looking for, was not worship, but worshippers. He was searching, he was seeking for worshippers. I'm a worshipper. I trust you're a worshipper. A worshipper is someone who keeps worshipping Jesus, who loves to worship Jesus, and who knows that probably the most effective thing they do in their life is to worship Jesus. And everything else comes out of our worship of him. Chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Wouldn't it be good if you used one of these every month? Amen? Come on, let's encourage our faith. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Now, this, of course, is 
the vision of heaven. And we know that earlier in this vision that John was given, there is a lot about worship and the continual worship that goes on around the throne of God. And John is being given this vision of how this river of life flows from the throne of God right the way through the center of of heaven. Jesus, when he came, brought that river with him. He was going to make it possible for a very privileged people to actually be able to partake of that river before ever they get into heaven itself. When he was speaking about the Holy Spirit, although he didn't mention the Holy Spirit by name, John explains that, that, that it was the Holy Spirit to whom he was referring. He talked about rivers of living water flowing out from deep within those who believe. Now, who knows that rivers of living water cannot flow out unless first rivers of living water have flowed in. So what Jesus was doing through the salvation that he brought us and through the gift of the Holy Spirit was making it possible for us to drink of that river, to drink in of that life, to drink in of that heavenly glory, really. Now, you notice that the scripture said that this river of the water of life is clear as crystal. It is absolutely clear. Pure. There's no defilement in it. You may remember a few weeks ago, God had given me that vision of standing on the bridge and seeing this river of of living water flowing. And how when it flows through our lives, it takes away every defilement, every impurity, everything that does not glorify God. And when we went and looked on the other side of the bridge, we saw that river taking all the ungodly stuff, all the sin, all the failure, all the defilement, all the impurity, downstream, never to be seen again. The amazing thing that God has accomplished for us through his blood is to make us totally blameless before God. Now, you will see that what I'm talking about is essential to understanding what a worshipper is. A worshipper is not someone who simply sings songs or who knows a good number of praise songs or listens to praise cassettes in his car. We're talking about what a worshipper truly is. So a worshipper is first and foremost someone who has been washed and cleansed, made pure, undefiled, and blameless in God's sight. Now that is the effect 
of the blood of Jesus. See, the blood of Jesus made it possible for us to qualify to receive this water of life that flows through our life and takes away every impediment, every, every imperfection, and actually makes us perfect in the sight of God. It's for this reason that when we worship, the writer to Hebrews tells us, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts in full assurance of faith. When we worship, we don't stand here in a building in Horsham. We stand before the throne of God in heaven. That's the place of access that he's given us as worshipers. So we come through the blood, through the cleansing of this water of life, and we stand before God totally blameless, without any fault, made perfect in his eyes. That's how God sees you. Because, you see, he has placed you in Christ. And when he places you in Christ, he doesn't see you apart from him. He sees you in him. And he sees that what Christ is, you have become in him. Are you all at the same meeting that I'm at? I'm having a good time up here. Are you having a good time? Okay. So, it doesn't matter if I have failed God, sinned against him, grieved him. When I come to him and ask for his forgiveness and plead that blood and get washed with this pure living water, I am made holy, totally acceptable in God's sight. I'm made righteous. I'm made perfect according to the scriptures. I'm made perfect in his eyes. He has forgotten all the stuff he's forgiven. So the scripture says, he has forgotten it. You know, you hear people say, well, I forgive, but I'll never forget. That's not true forgiveness, not in God's eyes. When God forgives, he forgets. If you ask God to forgive you for what he forgave you yesterday, he wouldn't know what you're talking about. He said, what are you talking about? I I've sometimes tell a story, of because this is a true story, of a woman who came to me at the end of a meeting. And it had been a wonderful meeting. Lots of people had been liberated and came to know the Lord and so on. And this woman looked the picture of misery. And she said to me, can you help me? For 20, 20 years ago, I committed adultery. And every day for 20 years, I've asked the Lord to forgive me. And I have absolutely no sense of his forgiveness. Can you help me? And I said to her, my dear, for 19 years, 364 days, God hasn't known what you've been talking about. <laughs> Because the first day that you asked him to forgive your adultery, he forgave you. And ever since then, there has been no adultery to forgive. And she just looked at me and she said, do you mean I'm forgiven? 
So I said, yes, of course you are. And I'm not exaggerating. It was as if 10 years dropped off of her life. She just looked a completely different person. She began to radiate the joy of the Lord. That's the power of the truth. So we come before the Lord as a cleansed and perfected people, as worshippers. We can come right into the courts of heaven and meet with God as he reigns on his throne. This is a worshiper. We don't have to hang our heads in shame. We do that when we ask for God's forgiveness, but he cleanses us of all shame. He takes away all guilt. And we can come therefore with confidence. How can we have confidence before such a holy, mighty, perfect God unless he makes us as he is. Now, of course, what he intends is for that work of transforming us from glory to glory to go on in our lives. But it isn't that we have to get to a certain stage of spirituality before we can be a worshiper. Because of the power of the blood, because of the cleansing of the water of life, because therefore of the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is that living water in our lives, we can have confidence before God. And that's what the scripture tells us to have. Worshippers will also be people of prayer. And worship and prayer go together. So it's good to come before the Lord in worship and in praise before you pray. Because you can pray with confidence once you realize I'm cleansed. There's God looks at me and he sees no defilement. He sees nothing wrong. What he sees, according to my Bible, is that I'm crowned with his crown and I'm clothed with Christ. I'm clothed with the robe of righteousness. I'm clothed with the cloak of his glory because I'm a worshiper. In other words, God equips us to be worshipers before we worship. Amen? And it's good, therefore, for us always to be living in the good of what he has done. Now we have an enemy and he's a liar. He loves to sow confusion. You can see that there's so much confusion in this country. It's the work of the devil. There's confusion in parliament. There's confusion in people about their identity. There's confusion all around us. He loves to sow confusion. God is a God of order. But he likes to try to sow confusion in the lives of Christians to undermine their ability to worship God. Now, you want to remember that as Lucifer, he was the one in heaven that led the worship. When he rebelled against God because he thought it was time he was worshipped, pride, he was immediately thrown out of heaven. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But he actually led the worship. 
So therefore, he hates worshippers. He wants to do anything he can to prevent people from worshipping. The devil wants you to be as he is. He is condemned. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So he loves to sow condemnation and confusion to stop you being the worshipper God wants you to be. If you feel condemned because you know you've messed up, you've sinned, you've grieved the Lord in some way, then you will not have confidence before God, either when you worship or when you pray. In fact, what the enemy tries to do is to make you feel so unworthy that you won't actually worship at all. You'll just pray, but without worship, without praise in your heart. And, you know, praise is not just an exercise. It's not something that, that you do to try to stifle or cover over the sin or the failure or whatever else could be going on in your life at any given moment. No, no. What God intends is for us to realize there's no condemnation for me because I am washed in the blood of Jesus. The, the river of living water is flowing through my life. So I make a habit of drinking of that water, of receiving that water when I pray or as I worship the Lord. I want to keep drinking in because it's only as I keep receiving that water that that living water will flow out of me. Hallelujah. And if, if that living water is flowing out of me, then it's going to touch the lives of other people and transform them. This river turns the dead sea into a living sea. That's its power. The blood makes it possible for us to receive this water, to drink in of this water, to have this water constantly flowing through our lives and to have this water flowing out of our lives. But it's not just a question of saying, well, praise the Lord, he forgives my sins. No, I want to drink in of this water so this water is constantly flowing, cleansing and flowing out of my life. It's constantly in the power of the Spirit renewing me, reviving me, changing me, transforming me from glory to glory. Amen. Now, one thing is essential if you're going to understand what it really means to be a worshipper. If you really want to see the power of God flowing through your life and out of your life, it is essential for you to know, to believe, to understand that you have absolutely zero righteousness of your own. Absolutely none. Self-righteousness, 
is as filthy rags in the sight of God. If you think you have any righteousness of your own, the first thing you need to do is to get rid of it. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. You have absolutely no holiness of your own. You will never impress God by trying to be holy or trying to do what is right. He is your righteousness. He is your holiness. He is your redemption. He is your salvation. He is your life. You see, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to the life. He is the truth that speaks about that life. And he is the life itself. And that's what we're talking about. That we are worshippers because we possess the life of God himself. And we are able, therefore, to come right before him, right before his heavenly throne, in worship and in prayer, and to know that we are one with him through his grace, through his forgiveness, through all that he has done for us. That we don't come with any claim of our own. We don't come because we think we've done something that will please God or we've done something to earn his favor. You cannot earn grace. Grace can only be given to those who know they deserve nothing. So a worshiper is someone who comes before the Lord knowing that he deserves nothing, knowing that he has no righteousness of his own, but Christ is his righteousness. He has no holiness of his own, but he doesn't need a holiness of his own because Christ is his holiness. And the more he lives that life of worship and surrender to God, the more of his righteousness, of his holiness, of his life will flow through into and out of his life. Now, the key to this, two words. When Jesus came, he knew that the fulfillment of all that is taught in the prophets of the Old Testament would need to be fulfilled. And what God says over and over again in those prophetic scriptures is that to effect his purpose on earth, God must have a holy people. He can only fulfill his plan and purpose for this creation through a holy people. Now, Jesus knew that. Where in any of the Gospels did Jesus talk about holiness? Mentioned the Holy Spirit, but only very occasionally because the time was not yet that people could receive the gift. When did he talk about holiness as a subject? The answer is never. But at the same time, you could say he spoke about holiness all the time. Because what is holiness practically in the life of a Christian? And remembering we're worshipping a holy God, we're coming into his holy presence. Holiness is love, 
and faith. God is love. God is holy. So what Jesus did was he preached faith and he preached love. And God taught me because, you know, if you live in revival, you live in in the holiness of God. But God taught me, Colin, don't preach holiness, preach love and faith and I will create a holy people. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He preached love. He preached faith. Now, let's just draw this to a close because there's so much we can say about worship. When you worship God, really worshiping him, What are you doing? You're expressing love for the one who is so great, so wonderful, far beyond and above all others. True worship is an expression of love. Of course, we then live as worshipers. We live out that life of love loving others as he has loved us, obeying his commands so that we continue to abide in his love, just as Jesus obeyed the Father's commands and remained in his love. He explained all that at the Last Supper to the disciples. So we are expressing love for God. But when we express that love, We don't just say, I love you, Lord, although there's nothing wrong in saying that. But what we're doing is we're coming before him because he has first loved us. He's loved us by washing us and cleansing us and making us as he wants us to be in his sight through the blood, through that living water that flows through our lives. I could fail God today, so could you. I could sin today, so can you. But if I fail God, if I sin in some way today, that will not change God's love for me. Because God's love for me is not dependent upon what I do. God's love for me depends upon the fact, the truth, that he is love. He cannot do anything other than love me. Even if I was disobedient, even if I sinned, even if I failed to do what he wanted me to do, he would still love me. So every time I come to him and want his forgiveness, there is always forgiveness without exception because of his love for me. All I have to do is to forgive others. If if, uh, I want him to be merciful to me, he says I must be merciful to others. Well, that's fine. The measure we give is the measure we get back. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So, my love for him, my worship for him, 
is the way in which I honor him for who he is. But I only honor him for who he is because he has already honored me by making me his child, by saving me from a Christless eternity, from saving me from the devil's grip. He has honored me by coming to live in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's honored me by the cleansing of his blood and the infusion of his living water into my life. So I honor him because he's already honored me. I love him because he has already loved me. I can only love him because he's first loved me. So my worship is always a response. I don't initiate something. I respond to who he is. I respond to all that he's done for me. I respond to the fact that his love is just so amazing. And you see that love is expressed in faith and faith is expressed in love. The two go together. They're like two sides of a coin because I believe him and I believe what he's done and I believe the way he has honored me. I believe in what he's gifted me. I believe in what the word says about my life in Christ. I believe. And so I can come before him in worship with confidence that my worship will not be an abomination to him, but my worship will be of significance, of meaning to him because he knows that I'm grateful and I'm thankful for all that he has done and all that he has accomplished, for what he has made me as his child, for what he has made me as one who belongs to him. And this is the amazing thing about his love. I belong to him. One of the great memories I have of my earthly father is the joy that he had to have his family around him. Even when we were adults and married and had our own children and and so on, every time we visited him, every time he had his family around him, he was so pleased and fulfilled. He was a very loving man. But our Heavenly Father is even more like that how he loves to have his children around him. And that's how you need to see worship. You're coming to your father who loves you to have you around him. He loves to hear that voice, that that depth of love coming out of your heart towards him. He loves it. Not, Not just in times of worship, but you know, singing around the house, worshiping him while you're doing other things. There's lots of things we can do that we can worship at the same time. Not just, not just having a tape on that's going to do it for you. I mean, it's one thing to listen to worship, but it's another thing to do it. You know, and what God wants us is not just listening to it, but doing it. I mean, if it helps you to have something uh, playing and, and you worship along with it, that's fine. But what matters is that you are expressing your heart, the love that is in your heart for God. 
So kingdom faith, part of the DNA of kingdom faith, is for us all to be worshippers. Worship has always been central to the life of kingdom faith, to those who are on the team, to the students when they're amongst us. We worship God together every day. But not just as an activity, but because that is the heart and the center of our life. Let me finish with this. You do not know what you will be doing in heaven for all eternity. Now, this is a nonsense saying, but eternity is a long time. (laughs) It is timeless. You do not know what it will mean for you to be in heaven with God for all eternity. There's only one thing you can be sure and certain of from Scripture. You will be worshipping God continually and eternally for the rest of your being. Because that is the chief activity in heaven. So God is just preparing you for eternity. Do we, do we have that song available? Good. We're going to sing an old chorus. Some of us can remember the days of old choruses. All about the river of life. It's very, very simple. And we're going to use it just as a vehicle of worship now. And then I believe God just wants to speak to us out of this worship. So would you like to stand? <clears throat> We don't need any musicians because it's simple. If we can have the right. How many of you know this song? Any, anybody else? My wife. <laughs> Cause me to come to your river, O oh Lord. Cause me to come to your river, O oh Lord. Cause me to come to your river, O Lord. Cause me to come, cause me to drink, cause me to live. Right, let's sing that again. Now you know it. Cause me to come to your river, O Lord. Cause me to come to your river, O Lord. Cause me to come to your river, O Lord. Cause me to come, cause me to drink, cause me to live. Cause me to drink from your river, O Lord. Cause me to drink from your river, O Lord. 
Cause me to drink from your river, O Lord. Cause me to come, cause me to drink, cause me to live. Cause me to live in your river, O Lord. Cause me to live in your river, O Lord. Cause me to live in your river, O Lord. Cause me to come. Cause me to drink. Cause me to live. I choose to come to your river, O Lord. I choose to drink from your river, O Lord. I choose to live in your river, O Lord. I choose to come. I choose to drink, I choose to live. Thank you, Lord. That doing this makes us a people of worship. coming to you, the one who is worthy of all honor, of all glory, of all dominion and of all power, knowing that we are fully accepted in your sight, made holy, made perfect, made blameless, knowing that your word says you want to keep us in blamelessness until you come again. We praise you that we can come right before your heavenly throne with confidence, with good hearts because of your cleansing, in full assurance of faith, in the power of that Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that as we worship you, you fill us afresh with that living water. We drink in of that living water. And thank you that your Holy Spirit will flow out of us as rivers of living water. The more we worship, the more we receive, the more we will have to give. The more your life, your love, your power, your healing grace will flow out of our lives and into the lives of others. The more people we will see saved and becoming people of worship themselves. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you that even at this moment you reveal your presence.
Thank you that that river of living water flows from the very throne of God into our lives day by day if only we will receive it. If only we would drink in. It's amazing, Lord, that we can't even worship you and give ourselves to you in worship without receiving so much more back ourselves. All we want to do is to honor you, glorify you, worship you. But you are so good, you are so great, you are so loving that, that whenever we give to you, you, you start giving back more to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And we just wanted to worship you and you end up by blessing us far more than we blessed you. We thank you that you are such a wonderful God of grace. Such a wonderful God of love. Now, Lord, I thank you that you have saved us from confusion. You saved us from all the devil's tricks. That there is no condemnation for us because we are in Christ Jesus. Thank you that you correct us in love when we need to be corrected. But thank you, you never judge us. You never condemn us because sin has already been judged and condemned on the cross. And we have been crucified with you and we have been raised to a new life. We belong to the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. And that river of living water flows from heaven through our lives. And we bless you. Thank you, Lord, that you make every one of us here the worshippers you want us to be. We're not listening to the devil's lies. We're listening to the revelation of truth. And Father, I pray for your anointing on this little book, How to Know Jesus. Use it, Lord, to be a powerful tool for harvest in Horsham, in the 25-mile radius and beyond, even internationally, Lord, as already people are wanting translated into other languages. We thank you, Lord, that it's, it's just something that you will use. And I pray for all those who will write their letters to Jesus. I pray for all those present here today who will write their letters to Jesus this week because I know what a profound effect that is going to have upon our lives. And as a result, we will be, well, worshipping you more fully than we are at this time. And we give you all the glory. We give you all the honour. We give you all the praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's shout our praises to God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.